Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. It's great to be back together again. We've got so many important things to talk about today. I'm not even sure where to begin. There's so much going on around us. There's a lot going on within us right now. And so what I think I'm going to do is just continue with the theme I talked about last week, which was the conscience of Jesus. So I'm going to pick it up where we left off and we're going to keep moving forward. I think that's really important and really timely right now for us. So be turning over to Matthew chapter 6. The title of the message last week was Gut Feeling. And we focused on that deep down thing that we call our conscience. And it's that thing that you call on when you've got a really important decision to make or choice to make, or you're in a, a jam, you've got a problem, and, and you're thinking to yourself, I really need to get this right. And so maybe you've talked to other people, maybe you've, you've read articles, you've read your Bible, you've prayed, and now you're at that crucial juncture where it's like, I've got to act. I've got to do something. And so you dig down deep right into the well and you say, okay, man, God, what are you showing me here? What, what are you telling me? And it's your conscience that's going to guide you through that. And we ended with this scripture. And it's the one I want to begin with today. And we're going to call this message Choosing Sides. But again, it's really just the conscience of Jesus part two. So here we are. We're in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the truth be known, you cannot serve both God and anything else. God is a jealous God and God is very demanding and God requires and demands from us all of our attention and all of our worship. Now, we said last week that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And where your heart is, we will find your conscience. And it's important that we know what that treasure is, what those things are that we, that we, we, we love so much and, and the value that we put on them. Jesus here teaches us how to view things and, and what things we really love and what things are really devoted to. Now, as I'm sure you're all aware of, we are two days away from a presidential election. What does that mean to you? How important is that to you? Well, I guess it might depend on what we mean by you. 
So would that be you as a Democrat? Is that you as a Republican? Is that you as an independent? Is that you just as an American? Is that you as black? You as white? You as Asian? You as Latinx? You as Indian? Is that you as a man? Is that you as a woman? Would that be you as a, as a boomer? Would that be you as a millennial? Would that be you as rich or poor or middle class? Would that be you as an, as an everyday citizen? Or maybe most important, would that be you as a disciple of Jesus? By Tuesday night, you would have done one of three things. One, you would have not voted. And that's your right. That's your prerogative. So nobody is telling you you have to vote. You can decide for whatever reason you might have, I'm not going to vote. Or two, you would have voted for a candidate that you feel very strongly for. And maybe it's their positions on things that you really support. Or maybe they're a part of a political party that historically you've always been aligned with. And so no matter who the candidate is, if they're part of that particular party, then that's the way your vote is going to go. And you might not agree with everything that they stand for, but you agree with enough of it to stand behind them. Or number three, maybe you didn't vote for somebody, you more voted against somebody that you really don't like, somebody that you're really not in favor of. And even though you may not completely be enthralled with the alternative candidates, you feel a little less negative toward them. And so that's where your vote goes. So it's kind of the, the lesser of two evils option. Now, I am not here to tell you to vote or not to vote, or if you decide to vote, who to vote for. That, that's up to you. But I do want to share my conviction about it. These are, these are my thoughts. And I need to set this up and preface this a little bit like Paul would do if you've ever read, you know, when, when Paul was, was sharing his own thoughts. And he wanted to make sure that you understand that these are my thoughts and not coming to me directly from Jesus. This isn't gospel. This, this is just what I think. So he would say, I, not the Lord. <clears throat> so I'm going to give you an, an I, not the Lord uh, moment right here. My feeling about voting is this. I would think to myself before I was going to cast a vote, what do I hope to accomplish through this? What would I like to see accomplished through my filling out that ballot or, or whatever method it might be for you? What do I hope to see happen through this? What is my agenda? And we all have an agenda with pretty much everything we do. And I think with, with voting, you probably have an agenda. And there are three different things I think that we might want to consider when we vote. The first, is it a personal agenda? What do I stand to gain? So maybe by casting your ballot a certain way, it, you're going you're gonna to gain financially or, or economically. This is going to be better for me. I'm going to make more money or I'm going to save more money if, if this particular candidate makes it in. Maybe the personal agenda is emotional for you, which is fine. You might be thinking, you know what? If, if this person is there, I will just, my soul will be at rest. 
And so you've got personal you know, gain that, that would come out of whatever uh, way this election goes. Number two, it might be a national agenda. What does the nation stand to gain by this vote? And maybe it's security, or maybe it's uh, respect, or stability, or equality. Could be many other things, but there's there's something that you're saying. If I if it goes this way, then our nation will be will be this, whatever this might be. And maybe the third thing would be, is it a kingdom agenda? Do I have a kingdom agenda about where this is going? What does the kingdom of God stand to gain? And and maybe what does what does God stand to gain? Now, none of these things I've just mentioned are bad things. But the truth is, at the end of the day, whoever finds their way into the Oval Office is still flawed. And they're still leading the empire, not the kingdom of God. So again, here's, here's a bit more about from my personal opinion about this. I would be thinking about three things before I was going to vote. Number one, who do I feel will give us the best opportunity to preach the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So who or what might open up the most doors so this gospel message of Jesus and his kingdom could reach out to as many ears as possible? The second thing I would consider, who do I feel would best create an environment where people's hearts and minds will be best positioned to hear the gospel of Jesus, to hear that gospel message and accept it. And the third thing I might want to consider is, who do I feel will best help the disciples in our country, and really, quite possibly throughout the world, be in a space, be in an environment where they can thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Those three things would be my top concerns. But you have to make those decisions on your own. You can't piggyback off of mine. Whatever thoughts might be, you've got your own. And like we said last week, let your conscience be your guide. Now, right after Jesus talks about where your true treasure lies and, and your eyes and you know serving two masters, I think he gets the, the sense that people were a little bit on edge and maybe just a little bit worried about what lies ahead for them. Now, I know that's something we can't relate to at all, right? Right. So if that's you, I want to share with you what Jesus told them right after he talked about serving the masters and all this. He has some very important words for them and for us. So we go a little further down in the text now to verse 25. Listen to what he said to them. Therefore, so he's following up, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, Add a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? 
They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. So if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or, or what shall we drink? Or, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Now, I know most everybody here is very familiar with these scriptures. They might have been some of the first that you heard when you began to read the Bible. I think this was my first Bible talk. Maybe it was the first Bible talk you went to. <clears throat> but what, what I want to do right now is really apply these to our current situation. The most important thing to God is us. With everything that God's created, we are the masterpiece. And as much effort as, as God has put into all the created things, from the smallest to the, to the biggest, from the, the weakest to the strongest, from the, the simplest to the most complex, God has always had a weather eye on us. Now, he may take his eye away from a squirrel now and then, especially it seems when they're crossing the road, but he never takes his eye off of us. God is always laser focused, sharp on us and our lives and our well-being. Now, we might think sometimes, well, God missed this one and God missed that one, but God always knows what he's doing. So what are we worried about? Are we worried about the empire? Why? The empire is of this world, and Satan has a lock on that. But Jesus is Lord of the kingdom. And the bottom line is, God is sovereign over all things above and below. And so we listen to those words of Jesus. Don't worry. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And God will provide what we need in every situation. So don't be afraid. Now, there is one more thing that I want to talk about this morning, and it's the one fear that I do have, and that's disunity. And I have it for good reason. One of the things that Jesus held up as of most importance was unity. Read through John 17, and, and you'll get the idea. Do that on your own. But one of the biggest disunifiers in our country is partisan politics. And I've talked with enough of you to know that it can also be a threat here in the body. And it wasn't really all that different back in Jesus' day. So what did he do with it? Well, look with me in Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to begin here in verse 1. Matthew 10, beginning in verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, 
Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Now, how many times have you read this list, right? So you probably, you probably know who all these guys are. But there's a very interesting observation to be made here. Only two of the disciples mentioned have any sort of description as to their political or their social standing and their complete polar opposites. Matthew was a tax collector. He worked with and he worked for the Roman government. He was a Jew, but he was, he was employed by the Roman government. And he made his money off of collecting as much tax as possible from his fellow Jews. So needless to say, he was not liked by very many people. Now, the complete opposite end of the spectrum, Simon the Zealot, right? The Zealots were the, the radical sect of Judaism. And they were bent on driving out the Romans by whatever means necessary. And so the tax collectors partnered with the Romans, with the Roman government. The zealots would stop at nothing to overthrow that Roman government. And here they were, together in the fellowship. Jesus brought them together in the fellowship. And, and even more than that, that was his leadership group. And even more than that, they were the ones that were going to help launch this kingdom of God. How did Jesus pull this off? I think both of these guys knew what they were getting into. That what they were becoming a part of was, was bigger than who they were without it. That it was bigger than their, their ideologies. It was bigger than their allegiances. It was bigger than their, than their careers. Even bigger than their passions. And it didn't take long for the kingdom of God and for that, that unity together under Christ became their passion. And for that to happen, they had to become completely different people. And their unity was everything. And when Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. I like to think that he was thinking in the future about people just like this. They let go of the things that divide. Have we let go of the things that divide us? Now, I want to look at just a little bit more of Jesus's prayer in John 17. So we're going to pick up that prayer where we left off last week as well. So we're in John 17 now, and we're going to pick this up in verse 20. Jesus says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given 
me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus's prayer was that nothing would come between us. Certainly nothing of this world or of this empire would ever be able to come between us. But he also prayed that, that through that unity, that the world would see God in all of his glory. And isn't that why we're here? Isn't that why we chose the kingdom over the empire? So as we navigate through some very uncertain times, please remember to think kingdom first, not empire. Think of the things that pull us together, not the things that divide. And as you comp contemplate where your treasure is and where your heart is and where your conscience is, let that conscience be your guide. Next week, we're going to do a part three of the conscience of Jesus. And we're going to talk about how to live in this empire, however it might look at that point. Amen. Thanks so much. Have a great day. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.